0: What's going on and welcome into a game day edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by Seakeek. I'm Daniel Salerson alongside my co-host Jim Ikenoffer at Pelicans.com. It's a late one as the Pelicans begin a four-game West Coast swing starting tonight with the Portland Trail Blazers tip offset for 9 p.m. So grab your coffee, caffeine, whatever it takes to stay awake as it's an important stretch for New Orleans as they sit in ninth heading into tonight's game. We'll talk about that in just a little bit with Jim, but we want to welcome in Travis Demers, the radio voice of the Portland Trailblazers that will focus our talk mostly on the return of C.J. McCollum tonight. Travis, how are you? Good to talk to you. I'm good. It's good to talk to you guys. It's been a while. Yeah, absolutely. Let's let's talk about first, or for the most part, C.J. McCollum here. I want to start with take us back to the trade. And when you heard the news, I know a lot of people kind of expected that it might go down. What was your initial thoughts on a guy like C.J. who's been in Portland his entire career getting, getting traded to New Orleans?
1: Yeah, there's been so much talk, or there had been so much talk for a couple of years that something needed to change, whatever it was. And when you have Dame and C.J. in Portland, Dame's not the guy who's probably going to be talked about leaving, right? So the expectation was that C.J. McCollum was going to be traded at some point. That's what the fans expected. Um, And then when the day actually comes it's this moment that, wow, it's it's actually here. This, this is over. We've watched this guy every second of his career. He's been a classy, off-the-feet, off-the-floor, um, great part of the community. And on the court, he's had some incredible moments. And it's like you couldn't say Dane without saying CJ. Those guys were together. And now they're broken up and now they're gone. It's like, wait a minute. This is, this is it. So with all of that talk and all of the things that have been circling around for a couple of years, the fact that that moment had come, it was just kind of made you sit and stop and say, huh, it's, this has actually happened. CJ is actually going to be wearing another uniform. And it was just, it was strange.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think it was kind of, you know, strange you even think, wow, he's actually coming to New Orleans. You know, we were, you know, kind of shocked that, you know, we were actually able to get him just because we know the talent he has. And not to say that that was hidden with playing alongside Damian Lillard, but CJ's getting the opportunity here to kind of be the lead guard um, for the New Orleans Pelicans. But let's go back to him, just part of that organization. You talked about him on and off the court, but just what did he mean, especially coming a, a kid out of Lehigh, um, I don't know if a lot of people expected that he had the impact that he did, not only on on the game, but, you know, the Portland organization. What kind of impact did he have on, on a team that he was there for his entire career before getting traded?
1: Yeah, it, it took a little bit because he had a foot injury, just like he did in college, and he really didn't play much his rookie year. And then his second year, he didn't really play much. And the Blazers were making the playoff run. And he was coming off the bench in – you know, limited minutes. You know, Wesley Matthews was the starting two guard. Uh, the Blazers went and traded. Uh, they ended up trading Will Barton and getting back Aaron Aflalo. And Aaron Aflalo was supposed to be this guard to come off the bench in a contract year. It was a, a rent-a-player, and he was going to come in and help the Blazers in their playoff push. And then Wesley Matthews tears his Achilles, and the season was kind of lost for you know a couple of reasons. They go on to play Memphis and you know lose a short series. But in that series, CJ McCollum really got his first chance to shine. And he was incredible in that series. And that's when it was like, okay, this this guy can play. It took almost two full years before we finally realized that there was something there because he just didn't play much. And then in year three is when he won most improved player and, you know, we started to see the C.J. that, that we know now. But it, it's hard to go back and remember that there were basically two full years where he was an end-of-the-bench guy that really didn't play a whole lot. And he handled it with class. He handled it in stride. And when he got the opportunity, he took advantage of it. And it was almost instantaneous that Dame and C.J. together became this dynamic backcourt. And on the floor, I mean, there are countless big shots that he hit. You know, the Blazers don't win Game 7 in Denver without C.J. McCollum. The Blazers don't win that series without C.J. McCollum. And there were so many moments like that for him over the course of his time in Portland, and he was beloved. People loved C.J. It was just, can you win with two guards that are, you know, 6'3 and under, that are offensive-minded players when they're both making a lot of money and the resources to balance the roster just aren't there. It was never CJ's not good enough. It was never we don't like CJ the person. It was never anything against CJ. There was just this common thought that that combination together wasn't going to work, and it wasn't feasible to put the right players around them financially. I mean, they're they, they and CJ together both making a ton of money, and Dame was never going to be the odd man out, so unfortunately, that's the direction it went. We all miss CJ. I miss CJ. I miss seeing him on the bus and in the hotels, and uh, certainly miss seeing him on the floor. And then in, in the community, he really made himself part of this community. You know, he bought a winery not far down the road from where I live. Um, he did a lot of community service things. Um, just the, the stories that people would tell of you know, the, the last second things that, that he would do for fans and for kids and just make people's days. You know, those, those things don't come around all the time. And it's, it's sad to see that he's not here anymore. And, you know, on a, on a personal level, CJ, I wouldn't say that we had a, a quote, relationship. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to, uh, you know, pretend that I'm friends with CJ McCollum but he always treated me well, you know, and he knew who I was. Um, you know, he just did little things um, to acknowledge me. And a lot of players don't do that, you know? So like for me personally, as somebody who's around the team, as often as I am, when I, when I interviewed for the job, you know, the team president asked me, well, what are you going to do to build a relationship with these players? And I'm like, they're not getting paid to be my friend, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, for me, it's just stay out of the way. But CJ was always kind, and he was just someone who was always—he uh, always treated people
0: well. And it was—it's—it's uh, it's disappointing that he's not here anymore. For sure, I have one more question for him to give it to Jim here. So, what do you expect tonight when he takes the floor for the first time with the crowd reaction? I'm assuming it's gonna be great. Maybe a tribute video. I'm not sure what's going on there, but what what do you expect the reaction to be when when CJ takes the floor for the first time in the New Orleans Pelicans uniform?
1: Yeah, I'm sure there will be some kind of tribute video. One of the things about Portland is they, the Blazers organization always recognizes players when when they come back. So I'm certainly expecting that. The building's been a little thin lately. You know, just because the team hasn't been winning and the star players, the players that fans recognize haven't been there. There has been a buzz about CJ returning people want to get into this game. It's not an easy ticket to get right now. Um, So fans are going to be excited to see him. I'm sure you'll see a lot of CJ McCollum jerseys. And when he gets introduced by our PA announcer, Mark Mason, I'm sure it's going to be one of the louder ovations that a visiting player has had. Um, You know, I've been here almost 20 years between LaMarcus Aldridge returning to San Antonio and CJ coming back tonight. You know, those are probably the two biggest returning player moments. Uh, maybe Rasheed Wallace, when he came back with Detroit, was the season after he was traded. And that's that's the difference, too, is that you know, LaMarcus Aldridge left in the offseason. So it wasn't an in-season thing. When Rasheed Wallace got traded to Atlanta and then Detroit, the Pistons didn't come back here that season. We're looking at, what, six weeks? Yeah. So six weeks ago, CJ's wearing a Trailblazers jersey. So it's going to be it's going to be loud. I think it's going to
2: be emotional. Yeah, that's great to hear. I I think we're all looking forward to, you know, witnessing it from afar of seeing the crowd there. I I was wondering a little bit about the attendance. So that's also great to hear that, that you know, you said that the ticket is going to be hard to come by. It's totally understandable why the, their yeah. co- you know, the crowd's been down a little bit lately. Um, Travis, one of the things that you mentioned that made me crack up a little bit was when you were talking about you interviewing with the vice president. And one of the things I always say to people, because people occasionally will be like, oh, you know, that, that that's, a, that's a cool job. Do you get to hang out with the players? And I'm like, what makes you think the players would want to hang out with me? <laughs> but that's a whole lot. That's a different discussion. Yeah. Um, but in terms of CJ um, – Looking through Damian Lillard's career, I mean, he – this is very rare for him to miss any chunk of games the way he has this yeah. year. I mean, he had a stretch where he played in like 82 games two or three years in a row, played 80 games another season. But there there were times, that you know, following Portland over the years where he was out of the lineup and CJ had to kind of step into the number one role. Daniel mentioned, you know, there's certain things that he showed in Portland that maybe he's getting to display to a greater degree with New Orleans – what were some of the things that you saw from him in the rare occasions where where Damon was out, where he w- was able to move into that bigger bigger role?
1: Yeah, he he would carry the team and he would he would take it over because in, in previous years when you know, the starting lineup had Alfred Rukamino and Maurice Harkless, um, when Yusuf Nurkic was hurt and things like that, there there weren't a lot of scorers. Right, the, the bulk of the points were coming from the backcourt. So when Dame was out, CJ would, would carry the load. And obviously we're seeing what he's doing as a lead guard now, averaging almost 26 points a game in new Orleans, but he would, he would take over and he would have some of his best games. And there was an expectation that, okay, Dame is out, but we know CJ can get the job done because he always does. And he always did when Dame was out, he had some of his best numbers when when Dame was out. And it's, it's not that, Dame was overshadowing him. I guess in some ways you could say that, but there, there just weren't enough touches for both of them to get, you know, a really high volume of shots. And there were plenty of times, too, that if CJ was hot, Dane would defer to him. And that was another thing, too, is that because CJ was right there, if he was hot, just get him the ball. Keep getting him the rock. And you could rely on him. He was reliable. But when when he was forced to be the number one option, he was the number one option. There was no question about it. And people trusted that.
2: Sure. I remember watching game seven that you referenced against Denver a couple of years ago when CJ had 37 in game seven. And I remember Damian Lillard being interviewed after that game. And Damien had an unusually you know, rough game, I think, in game seven shooting wise. Him, him saying something to the effect of, you know, thank goodness we had CJ today because I didn't have, have my game clicking in the way I usually do. So, I mean, that was an incredible performance that CJ had, you know, with yes. the season on the line.
1: And really that whole series too, because now looking back on it, we know how banged up Dame was. And there were some games where he just didn't look like himself. And now we know why. Because he said he's been dealing with that, that ab injury for like six years. And mm. by the time the playoffs would come around, he wouldn't look like himself because he he led the league in minutes like every year. So, That the first round series against Oklahoma City, Dame was awesome. You know, game five, 50 points, the, the 37 foot shot over Paul George. In the Denver series, he struggled. And CJ was phenomenal. It helped that, you know, Zach Collins had a big series and Rodney Hood had a big series. Evan Turner had a great game seven, especially second half. But without CJ, that's not a seven game series. And without CJ, the Blazers don't win that series.
2: Yeah. And it's funny, very local here. I think a lot of people forget how, because it was a sweep. I hate to bring up 2018 first round with you on our show. This is very rude to treat a guest like this, but (laughs) CJ, CJ had a great series in that series. It was was totally forgotten because of that the team outcome, obviously, but I mean, he was, he was great in that series. And he was really the guy that kept them competitive, especially in the games in the two games that were played in new Orleans. So, I, I mean, I, I've been beyond impressed by the way he's played here, but I've always respected that guy. So, but before, before I go back to Daniel um, you mentioned the, some of the stuff that he's done in the community in Portland and off the court. I mean, I just wrote an article kind of detailing all of the different things that he's interested in. I'm sure it could have been about 10 times longer if I really wanted to delve into everything in more detail, but I was curious as far as um, his interest in journalism and media and podcasting, like stuff like that. Um, I feel like we need to be the media contingent here needs to be on our toes because we have a guy who really is on top of everything. And I mean, he's seems like he's written he did a player's tribune article. It yeah. wouldn't surprise me at all if he's one of the rare guys that actually did write the whole thing instead of having a ghostwriter because he, yeah. he seems like he has a lot of but I mean what are what were some of the things that impressed you the most in terms of his the stuff that he did in media media-wise and maybe even like his future? In bro- whether it's in broadcasting or any of those other areas.
1: Yeah, well, he actually uh, did some stuff with us in Portland um, and not just our station. He had a hip hop show on one of the other stations in our cluster. And he would do that every week. And he, he mm. loved it. His rookie year, he actually had a radio show on Sirius XM NBA radio, where it was him and Justin Termini and they would do a show every week. And he was a radio host his rookie year um and they actually they they did a they they set him up to do an interview where they had him interview a member of the media which actually turned out to be me so his rookie year the the co-host left and left him by himself to do a, a phone interview with me and it was it was weird right like why is cj interviewing me it should be the other way around yeah but he's just he's always he's always kind of been that guy and you can tell if there was a a little something extra with him where he he wanted to do that he's between the stuff that he's done on nba tv and nba radio the the radio show that he did in, in portland the hip-hop show um the the writing that he's done he's a smart guy you can be around him for 30 seconds and you know that he's probably smarter than you uh it didn't take me long to figure that out uh <laughs> that might not be that hard to do either but still he he's somebody that you know that there are, are interests beyond basketball and there are some players where like jalen brown's somebody that because he is so smart and has so many interests outside of basketball, people question how dedicated he was going to be in the NBA. That's obviously ridiculous now to look at, but it's like, well, because you have other interests, you can't possibly be focused on exclusively on the NBA. And I, I think there, there might have been a perception about CJ in that way before, because there are so many other things that he's involved in, but, It never takes away from his focus on the court. And you guys see that now that he's in New Orleans, that he is – when he does something, he is dedicated to it. And if when his playing career is over, that involves media, TV, radio,
0: whatever it is, he's going to be just as dedicated to that. It wouldn't surprise me to see him on some sort of pregame show or analyst uh, whenever he's done, that's for sure. Before we let you go, Travis, I really appreciate the time on this game day. I do want to talk at least a little bit about the game tonight. It is of some importance for the Pelicans, of course. I know the Blazers have been struggling, but that's due to a ton of people being out. So with the guys available tonight, who's someone that Pelicans fans or or even us should be on the lookout for? Someone that's really standing out making the most of their opportunity right now.
1: Well, it's not Josh Hart because he's he's not coming back this year. And I'm sure Pelicans fans miss him. Uh, He's awesome, by the way, just on and off the floor. He's terrific. Um, but there's not a single player available that was, that played for us in opening night. And it's been that way for about a month. So, you know, there's some 10 day guys, two way guys, uh, Brandon Williams has played about 20 games in his career and he is, he's been really fun to watch. He had 25 the other night. I think he scored 20 or more like seven times. Uh, he's explosive. He gets to the rim and then drew Eubanks, You might remember from San Antonio. He's a local guy, Oregon state. He's from Portland. Uh, he had a career-high 27 the other night. He had 16 rebounds. Uh, he's become kind of a focal point. So between Brandon Williams and Drew Eubanks, those have been kind of the two go-to guys over the last month, and they've they've been really fun to watch. Um, but it's, it's mostly rookies, most young guys. And then you have the aging veteran, the 28-year-old Ben McLemore, yeah. who had eight threes and 28 points the other night. He's still a sharpshooter like always, but it's just funny that he is like – he is so exceedingly older than everybody else that's playing, and he's 28. So you know what, is, what does that make me? What does that make us? But uh, it's they, they play hard. Uh, they make some young mistakes because there's so many young players. But they they play hard. They don't give up. Uh, they're all trying to earn a spot somewhere, whether it's here or somewhere else. They're trying to make a way for themselves in the NBA, and they can they can cause some problems. They just
0: eventually because it's such a thin roster and they're so young, they run out of gas. Yeah, I mean, those are some of the the most dangerous games is playing against guys that have nothing to play for but themselves and trying to make their way throughout the league. So definitely not an easy game for the Pelicans tonight as they take on the Portland Trailblazers. Travis Summers, the radio voice of the Portland Trailblazers. Travis, I really appreciate the time. Thanks for the insight on CJ and and enjoy the game tonight. Have a great call. I appreciate it, guys. As always, thanks for having me, and I look forward to seeing you next week down there. Absolutely. Great stuff there from Travis. Of course, not surprising what he had to say about CJ. We're already seeing it here in just six weeks that he's been with the team. Of course, buying every employee lunch uh, a couple weeks ago was certainly impressive for him. Uh, He's been nothing but nice to all of us interacting with the media. Um, And yeah, it'll be interesting uh, tonight, Jim, to see how the the emotions will will pour out a little bit. I would expect for him and of course the fans, like like Travis mentioned and. before, before we go at, get out of here of course you have a, a great article and I'm not saying great just because you're I'm staring at you on the zoom screen right now, but I did read it this morning and it is really good to learn about CJ and all of his hobbies and his interests and you know his time in Portland. You can read that on pelicans.com and mobile app. so I will ask you kind of between talking to Larry Nance Jr. Garrett and CJ himself what what did you learn about CJ or is there anything that you kind of learned
2: that maybe you didn't know about him or what stuck out to you about writing this piece? There were a lot, really a lot of things that were reinforced that that I had already thought about him. Maybe just things that were given greater detail and, and kind of context as far as the way he kind of conducts himself. I also mentioned this in the article, I would recommend for people after you've exhausted your entire library of Pelican, Pelican's podcasts to listen to the athletic podcast that he appeared on. Uh, I want to say it was about a week or two ago. I'm losing track of time but it was tremendous. Just him kind of going into all of his different things that he's into as far as just his big picture vision. It's, it's amazing. Um, I w- want to give a shout out to my parents here, but they, I always was impressed by how thoughtful that they were about everything. And he, he just, the, the time that he puts into thinking about like his outlook on things, how his finances the way he spends his free time. I mean, it's, I'm, that's one of the things I'm the most impressed about is just the fact that it just seems like he does, he's not going through life basically with like, ah, I'll just figure things out as day, day, the day goes by. And I'll, I'll think about that. I mean, he's got a very long-term perspective on how he wants to live his life. And I, I think that's, those are some of the main things that I got into in the article is just that he, um, he has a very broad idea of how to manage his time, how, what he wants to emphasize. Um, I wish I could be more like that as far as just, you know, kind of having a, a longer term picture of everything. And even with time management, I feel like a lot of times you, when you're, you get busy, you, you, you can't take a step back and be like, okay, How am I spending my time? Is it the most productive thing? Is it what's going to help me out the most long-term? And it, it seems like he just has a really good grasp on all of that. And I think a lot of the other players have, have talked about that and the guys that I talked to, that was one of the things that really stood out to them as well about CJ. Yeah. You mentioned in the article about the free time that these
0: players have a lot of the times during the season. And you think with their schedule, it's hard, but you know, they practice for a couple hours a day and then if there's no game, then, you know, they're off the rest of the day. And then you shoot around and you have some time in between a lot of players play, take naps or, or video games or whatever they want to do. But you mentioned it, him having a purpose for basically each minute of the day it does to show the structure that he has. And it's fascinating that, you know, he's got a winery to, to deal with and, you know, the journalism stuff that he's still very much involved in. Now he has a newborn. I think will op- occupy some of that time as well. Uh, when they're able to move down here. So it is pretty fascinating to to learn a little bit about the type of life that C.J. leads um, on and off the court. But, yeah, really fascinating stuff. And it should be a, a very emotional night for him. And uh, there's still work to be done for the Pelicans as he's trying to help this team get into the playoffs. Before we let you go, let's talk about this playing race as Pelicans did get some help last night thanks to the Dallas Mavericks, no LeBron James. Um, Lakers really didn't have a shot from the beginning. It was a tough stretch throughout and now they are on the outside looking in. They're tied with the Spurs record-wise, but the Spurs own the tiebreaker. That's why it's so important when we talked about that Spurs game, how tiebreakers are important and also how important the tiebreaker is for the Pelicans and the Lakers because these are the kind of things that can that could uh, separate 9 and 10 and even 10 and 11, which it is now. And now the Lakers will have one more game before – friday's meeting between these two teams that's on thursday so they'll be on the back-to-back there's a chance that anthony davis can return for that game we don't know yet but um, he was listed as questionable or doubtful i think it was for the game last night and then the spurs are playing tonight against memphis grizzlies so a chance for the pelicans maybe to gain some ground if they can win and uh, the, the spurs will lose but yeah it's gonna be interesting here with the seven games to go i mean they're only separated by one game how the beginning of this West coast swing could have a, a
2: really serious impact on what the Pelicans end up doing. Definitely. I mean, I look at kind of the short term. And when I say that, I mean, there's only two weeks left in the season. So I guess the short term is this week and then the long term is the next is next week. But I look at these next few days, I, I guess the next couple of games for the Pelicans as an opportunity to, as you said, kind of get, get some separation, hopefully in the standings. Um, if they can win against Portland and, you know, hopefully they get a favorable outcome in terms of the Lakers playing Utah on Thursday, you're up two games on the Lakers and you have the tiebreaker, then you play them head to head Friday. So, I mean, you'd have a chance to really make it so that it would be near impossible. Just within these next few days, you could make it nearly impossible for the Lakers to catch you or have a very minimal percentage chance of doing that. And then on the Spurs side, um, the game they have tonight against Memphis is definitely their toughest game of the next stretch because they have two straight um, home games against Portland on Friday and Sunday, but then San Antonio ends the next week, ends the season next week with three or four really tough opponents. So I, I think to me, the goal, at least my goal is to, like I said, try to get to the point where you can almost put the Lakers away, which is almost within your control based on playing them head to head and stay at least stay ahead of the Spurs here over this next these next few days, and then maybe you can um, put them away or or make it so that they can't catch you next week when they have to play some tougher teams. But even just like you said tonight, if the Pelicans can beat Portland and the Spurs can't overcome a Memphis team that's been just un- incredible, even without John Morant, now you're up two games on them, and at least you have a little bit more of a of a little bit of breathing room before you play the rest of this uh this road trip coming up on in all in California. Yeah,
0: like you mentioned, you know, Friday, um obviously a chance to put the Lakers away potentially, but Sunday gets a little bit tougher now with Paul George being available as he played last night. And look what he did with the Clippers helping them come back from twenty five down to take down the Utah Jazz. And so that game got a little bit more challenging than uh Sacramento's almost on the brink of being eliminated, but still a game you have to get on Tuesday. So you go three and one on this road trip, you'd like to go four and oh, but three and one would be ideal. And then you come home for three games left Portland again. Um, And then the Grizzlies who again are, are playing really well. And then who knows what the Warriors are going to look like seating wise. And same with the Grizzlies seating wise and that back to back the end of the season. So yeah, a, a huge stretch here that starts tonight. And as Travis said, these could be dangerous games when you look at a, a team that, you know, has guys that are just playing, you know, with really nothing to lose. So As much as we're like, oh, great, yeah, the Blazers aren't playing anyone. You just never know, and you have to – you can't take anyone lightly.
2: Yeah, I mean, you you always have to be careful. I mean, these guys are pros, and they can – there's guys that are capable of having huge nights. He mentioned Ben McLemore. He's a player that you don't want to see get hot from three-point range. Um, they have a, a couple other guys that have had some good games lately, given the opportunity to play a lot more. Um, Brandon Williams is one is the a guard for them. Who's had some good moments, especially when he first got into their rotation, but uh, I'm looking forward to tonight. I, I think it, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be great to see the reaction of the crowd to CJ McCollum. Um, one of the things that's kind of a weird aspect of this game, I think is, and this is probably something that I'm going to write about in the shoot around update today is the, uh, he's going to play his former franchise, but he's actually not, I have to look this up, but he hasn't, he's not a, he wasn't a teammate of many of the guys that are actually playing for Portland. So that's a weird part of it. in some ways, maybe that'll make it easier for CJ as far as he's not playing against a bunch of his really close friends, guys that he's known for a long time. He's not playing against Damian Lillard tonight. um, Some of the other guys that have been there for like Nurkic that I know he's pretty tight with. Um, He's, he's not really dealing with the emotions of playing against a lot of the guys that he spent years with, it's really a lot of players that are unfamiliar, even to the most diehard Portland Trailblazers fans. That's a great point. Didn't Travis say that none of these guys are playing, was it either on the opening day roster or
0: just didn't play on opening day?
2: Yeah, I think he said guys, I think it was guys that had guys that played maybe on opening night. None of those guys are playing now. Um, I think Ben McLemore was on the roster from the beginning yeah. of the season, but maybe he didn't play he might've been out of the rotation at the beginning part of the season. So, I mean, they have a lot of guys that fit that description either guys that they just picked up and they said, okay, we, I know we just signed you, but we need you to play 25, 30 minutes tonight. And I'm sure the the players that fit that description are more than happy to do so. And then they have some other guys that have been there all season or most of the season. And they just have, they're having to play so much more than they did earlier in the year when they had Lillard and they had McCollum and they had Nurkic and um, Larry Nance Tony Snell, all these other guys that have are proven NBA players. I mean, they just don't have a lot of guys like that now on the floor. All right, we'll see how this goes. Start of a four-game West Coast swing tonight, 9 p.m. Central
0: time. Again, stay up late. Get your coffee, whatever you need to do. Hunker down. The storms are on the way, too, so please be safe uh, tonight. This is a great opportunity to stay home and watch this team play. You can watch them on Valley Sports New Orleans or – you can listen on ESPN New Orleans with 100.3 FM pregame coverage for both beginning at 8.30 p.m. Central Time. We'll have another podcast for you on Friday, previewing that big matchup between the Pelicans and the Lakers. Big thanks to Travis. Big thanks to Jim. And until Friday, I'm Daniel Sanderson. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek.